Hey y'all, how's it going? I am so happy to be back with you guys. This is my third podcast of the season. Um, It's been a pretty rough semester. You know, I'm taking, I've spoken about this a little bit, but I'm taking my last technically two classes that I actually need uh, this semester before I write my qualifying paper and start my dissertation. So it's been hectic. Um, You know, I'm a teacher and educator. Right now we're doing virtual slash hybrid slash physical learning, all these different options. Um, And it's just been, I mean, 2020 has been an unprecedented year as far as like us having to quickly adapt to new changes and us having to quickly adapt to a lot of like really just stuff that none of us could have probably ever imagined. Um, But today... I've talked about this the past three weeks, and I really want to dive into this today. And I've talked about this before on my podcast, um, Black Hair, Black Women, what that means. Um, But today I really want to talk about Black hair, texturism, colorism, and how all these things are, this expectation of what Black women's hair is supposed to look like is rooted in a system of white supremacy, just like colorism is at the end of the day. Like this is all like in an effort to shed light on the practices and ideologies and cultural beliefs that white supremacy puts onto us and how we can, you know, effectively and consciously work for ways to dismantle it. Um, So I'm also going to be rolling out a new podcast schedule. So I'll be releasing podcasts from now on, on the 15th, the middle of the month, and then the very end of the month. So whatever the last day of the month is, be it the 28th, the 30th, or the 31st. But okay, let's dive right into it. So black hair and colorism. So a couple weeks ago, I did a poll on my Instagram stories and via Facebook and some of the other different social media outlets that I use. And I asked people, I said, hey, like, do you think that colorism and uh, black hair and, you know, the discrimination and, the, and the, pol- the, the policing of black hair and texturism, do you think all these things are tied in together? And 95% of people were like, yeah, it is. Um, A few people, I had a few little anomalies, little outliers that were like, oh, no, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with each other. I think overwhelmingly it absolutely does. And I mean, I feel like when we talk about these things, you really start to dissect um, black hair and like the different connotations, like what nappy versus good hair and what, what these things mean and what they mean in a larger cultural context and what they mean within the black community I think it absolutely is very, very, you know, obvious that this has a lot to do with colorism, has a lot to do with the preference of, you know, lighter skin, a preference of, you know, a greater proximity to whiteness. And I think it's, you know, almost irresponsible to like not acknowledge that and really, really dissect that very complex issue. So a couple years ago, I can't even say a couple years ago, it's it's about to be 2021. So 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago. I went natural. I had just gotten back. Um, it was literally like a couple days before my 20th birthday, maybe a week or two before my 20th birthday. And I came back from Thailand. You know, I'd gone there to study abroad. I was 19, uh, about to turn 20. Came back renewed, refreshed. I've been perming my hair since I was 15. And, you know, stress, a bunch of other different factors. My hair was like breaking off at this point. As far as I could tell, I don't know if it was actually, I don't think it was actually breaking off, but like, it was just like, I was done. I was tired. I was just like, I'm tired of this shit. So I was like, you know what? I had my cousin pick me up and take me to the guy that does her hair in downtown Dallas. And he cut all my hair off for me. And that was the beginning of my natural hair journey. 
And I didn't know shit about natural hair, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't know. I was like, oh, if I use the right products, my hair is gonna be curly and cute. I was like, you know, I'm gonna have like really loose curly curls and my hair is gonna look, I don't know why I thought that because I've been getting perms. I knew what new growth looked like. I knew what my new growth looked like and that shit was not curly, it was kinky. Like I have the most 4C of the 4C hair um, and not really having any knowledge of how to take care of my hair. I was thrust into the natural hair world. And that thrust was not a kind thrust. It was not a pretty thrust. It was difficult for me. It was, uh, you know, for five years, I was loosely natural before I decided. I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm about to, uh, was it five years? No, it was longer than that. It was like, maybe probably like, gosh, because I got my, I started my locks in 2016. So yeah, maybe it was five years. Five years, I was loosely natural. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm about to lock my hair up. In those five years that I was loosely natural, I absolutely noticed uh, the preference for looser, curlier hair in comparison to 4, 4B, 4C hair. Um, I noticed a lot of the natural hair care products, the girls that were on the labels were light with very loosely curled hair. Um, I noticed that even when conversations with people who were very close to me, like the way the words they would use to describe my hair um they were not what's the word I'm looking for they were not um I don't want to say kind because I don't think people were I don't think my friends and like the people close to me were necessarily trying to be like mean per se but the way that my natural hair was talked about in comparison to people who have looser hair or hair that is considered to be easier to manage um it was definitely a little derogatory and I mean I don't know what else to say and you know I'm not trying to shade anybody here but when we talk about 4c here and we talk about going natural and we talk about you know like just words like shrinkage like oh like I remember one of my friends like your shrinkage is really bad like your shrinkage and I'm just like oh like you know like shit I don't know really what to do about that like that's actually like like you know in my mind I'm like I'm going natural like my hair is natural like this is naturally what it looks like in its natural state like you know I, I wash it I condition it and also, you know, I, for a long time, was saddled with the belief that my hair was hard to manage. And, um, you know, I absolutely, in my daily interactions, especially with men, I notice, like, you know, when I have in braids or I have in, like, you know, crochet hairstyle, I, I call that weave because I've never really, I've only had bundles, like, once. And I can't even say that those were bundles. They were, like, some shit I got from, like, the fucking beauty supply store. I only had a weave like once and that was from my probate when I um, crossed back in 2012 and my good friend Janae who's one of the best hairstylists I know uh, did that for me but just like my hair it's uh, I noticed like the way people treat if my hair was different people the way people treated me was different like if I had a more Eurocentric look going on, like the type of the type of dudes that would like approach me, or the type of the type of energy and attention I received was much different than like you know if I had my natural hair out, you know it was like you know I won't say these niggas is like hoteps, but like you know it was a different kind of dude, a different type of energy, a different type of attention that came with the way my hair was each and every time. So I will say, um, like in starting to go and starting to kind of like research hair. I started writing about this and I actually wrote an article for for Harriet. And this is back, I think, in 2014 about the right type of natural hair. And that article has like been shared 
hundreds of times because people really resonated with what I was talking about. Like, you know, you go natural because they're telling you that perms are bad for your hair. So you go natural because you're like, this is what I should be doing. I should learn to embrace my hair. But then when you go natural, you're getting all these covert and overt, you know, subliminal and very, very obvious messages that your natural hair, especially when you are a 4C girl, is not good enough. And a lot of the products that are for natural women are not really for 4C hair. Like I, I need to find my friend Felucio's um, Instagram handle, but I, I'm going to share some resources with you guys at some point later on this month. Because she has really taken it upon herself. She doesn't have 4C hair like I do, but she has like, I think, I actually can't really tell you what texture her hair is. But she's done a lot of research and a lot of discussion around these ideas of black hair and these expectations that black women are expected to uphold with their hair. Um, You know, in the past couple of years, the past five or six years, we've seen all these different crown laws all these different discrimination suits about people being able to wear locks or black people being able to wear their hair the way they want to wear it. You know, I just... There's no way you can sit there and say that white supremacy doesn't exist when you're telling black people they can't fucking wear their hair the way it naturally goes out of their fucking scalp. Like, let's be for real here. And this absolutely ties into a proximity to whiteness, into what, to respectability politics, into what is ultimately considered acceptable. It just does. Like, for you to tell a black woman or a black man that they can't wear their hair a certain way, the way it naturally grows out of their scalp because it's not presentable. Like, what the fuck? Are you for real right now? So to tie all this into colorism, um, you know, when you hear these derogatory comments about dark-skinned black people, and in, in particular dark-skinned black women, oh, that black nappy asshole, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen it with, who's that famous radio host? Um, Howard Stern, his ignorant ass. And then um, we saw it again with Asher Roth, the guy who sang the song I Love College. And then more recently, we see it with Noah Cyrus, like, you know, she she made some commentary about people are assuming and she hasn't confirmed this. But I mean, I, I think we can all safely assume she made some comments towards Candace Owens, who I hate, by the way, because she's a fucking idiot. Uh, she made some comments towards Candace Owens um, in response to the stuff that Candace Owens said about Harry Styles wearing a dress in the cover of Vogue. And she called she said she didn't specifically mention Candace Owens by name. But she said something like, you nappy ass hoes. And people were like, and she's talking about Candace Owens. That's fucked up, which I agree. Like, I don't give a fuck what the, the, the circumstances are. Like, I personally think Candace Owens' hair is fucking fried. But there are other words as a white woman that you can use to describe somebody's hair, especially if they're black. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's just generally kind of problematic anyways for a white woman, a white woman to comment on a black woman's hair. Even if the woman, the black woman is Candace Owens and we know how vitriolic and hateful she is even towards people within the black community as a black woman but I think you know ultimately it's just very irresponsible to say that and then Noah Cyrus she went on to apologize was like you know I really didn't understand the context of that word but speaking of the context of that word let's talk about that the context of that word nappy nappy what does that mean so first and foremost um black hair has a century-long history within the context of American history so a lot of what we know about black hair in particular, like my type of hair, 4C hair, like the real kinky nappy shit. And I can call my shit nappy because it's my hair and I'm black. So that's that's my social, my social capital here. But um, in talking about that, in, in black women, you know, being forced on the slave ships, having to endure like this six month long journey across the Atlantic and just being separated from our cultural 
and social practices over you know the course of like five different generations we lost a lot of what we know about how to take care of black hair and what we know about black hair um that's where braiding comes into place like braiding is sacred to black women because we've been doing it literally for like centuries for centuries uh black women would braid seeds and stuff into their hair when they were like you know being uh imprisoned on the west african coast and they would braid seeds into their hair to take with them as they crossed the atlantic ocean because they didn't know like where if there was going to be food there they didn't know like you know all these different things then on like on the plantations black women would braid their hair as like escape routes to get off the fucking plantation so like when you say that black hair when anybody tries to denounce black hair talk bad about black hair in any way police black hair i take that very personal because i know how important it's been to my ancestors and to our very survival and to our and to our concepts of beauty and to our self-esteem and to our self-dignity you know what i'm saying but colorism um when we talk about dark-skinned black women one of the first thing people say they love to call dark-skinned black women nappy they love to call us bald-headed um so let's talk about nappy first and let's talk about bald headed second. So nappy, first and foremost, is, you know, in many contexts when it's not used by black people and even when it is used by black people, to, you know, and when it's used by non-black people to police and to discriminate against and to belittle black people, it's used in a derogatory way to talk about our hair. And typically this word is directed towards black women or, you know, dark skinned people in general, but we have to like discuss gender here and since this is a podcast about black women i'm going to focus kind of on black women for the most part yeah no shame there but black women um when we talk about dark-skinned black women that word is leveraged against them and nappy is used as a way to further cement the fact that dark-skinned women are not attractive that they're not worthy that they don't have you know that they don't have the same level of worth as their lighter skinned counterparts or women who aren't black, non-black women, or, you know, other minority, minority women from other nationalities or ethnicities, like being nappy. Like, you know, I grew up in a city where I just, I, I kind of feel, and I feel like, you know, black women are just honestly overlooked. Like I grew up a lot seeing black men date outside their race because of the negative things they believed and said and were taught about black women. And in particular, their hair. So I've always, like, I mean, I cannot name a time in my life where, except for now, like, now my hair is like, oh, my God, your locks, your hair is so beautiful. Oh, my God. Like, that shit is new to me, like, in the past five years that I've had locks. Because before that, niggas was not coming up to me, black or otherwise. Oh, my God, your hair is so beautiful. That shit was not part of my existence. Part. Of, I mean, I was, like, considered pretty because I was thin and, you know, I like, I modeled for, like, a long time. But my hair was never, like... When I cut my hair off and I really had like that, like, you know, that exotified black woman look like, you know, I got compliments on my hair because it was like super short. I basically didn't have any. But like me actually getting compliments on my hair, that is new to me. That is new. That's within the past five years that I've been alive. I'm about to be I am 29. I turned 30 in July of 2021. So like this is a very radical thing for me to talk about a very radical experience for me. And like just having finally coming to a point where I genuinely like my hair and I don't even like my hair every day, but genuinely like, like my hair is radical. And I want people to understand that when we talk about black hair, you're, it's not trivial to us. It's not this thing that like, Oh, it's just hair. It's never just hair for us. You're talking about a group of women that can't get jobs and shit because of the way that we choose to wear our hair. Like, let's be for real here. But, um, that word nappy is leveraged against dark-skinned black women 
Like, you know, you can you can say, like, you know, you can be like, oh, like, I've heard people say, I've seen some light-skinned girls with nappy-ass hair. And maybe so, but it is within the cultural context, when you think about nappy, it has been married to dark-skinned women. You, when you think about light-skinned girl, like the first, like, well, she light-skinned with good hair. Oh, that dark, nappy-ass hoe. Like, literally, there is a dichotomy there that exists when people talk about these two different types of women. Like, you rarely will hear... At least in my, like, I just, I don't feel like this happens, y'all. Like, I'm not going to sit there and just, like, pretend, like, oh, well, like, you know, like, like, these situations that deviate from the normative narrative are just, like, common. But you typically do not hear light-skinned women described as nappy. You just don't. You hear them described as having good hair. Or she's mixed. She got curly-ass hair. She has pretty hair. That is absolutely an offshoot of white supremacy and colorism and, like, being lighter, having this type of hair being put on a pedestal because you have a closer proximity to whiteness and therefore have more access to privilege and therefore have more social capital. This is absolutely what this is. Then let's talk about bald headaches. I said we were going to touch on that as well, too. So another thing. You know, them bald headed assholes. They're not talking about light skin girls and they say this shit, okay? Like I know Amber Rose and there are other, she's kind of embraced like, you know, I'm a bald headed asshole and that's beautiful. I think that shit is awesome. But also, like, when we hear those insults to black women, they are talking about dark-skinned women because there is this assumption that we don't have hair, we cannot grow hair. And this is the thing about that. Um, I feel like, for the most part, I've always had hair. Like, I come from black women who have hair. Um, and I don't say, I'm not saying that to brag, but I also think that, like, the type of hair, like, I never have really had long hair. I've always had really thick hair. And I think when we talk about the standard of beauty, and this is just across cultures, women are expected to have like this long, beautiful hair. Long hair is synonymous to like beauty and synonymous to attractiveness. And so when you sit there and you say that black women cannot grow hair, that is a coded way to say they are unattractive. And in particular, when you talk about dark skinned women who have nappy, short ass hair, you are essentially saying that these women are not within the realm of attractiveness and don't have access to the realm of attractiveness unless they're wearing a weave or unless, unless they're wearing like long ass braids. And that's bullshit, you know? It's like, you know, you have those cases where you have dark skinned women like these models like Alex Wick in the 90s and there's this other one, I cannot remember her name, but she literally reminds me of Alex Wick because she's so beautiful. She's like one of the highest paid models in the world right now. Can't remember her name, but she was in the brown skin girl video with Beyonce. Um, she's just been heralded. Like she's, literally gorgeous she doesn't have hair but also she fits into that category of like the exotified black woman where she doesn't really need to have hair and I experienced that as well too whenever I was modeling in my early, my late teens and early 20s and I cut all my hair off like I didn't I genuinely would go around and be like I don't fucking need hair and it was kind of true at the time because I was modeling I didn't need hair like I fit a certain aesthetic and I was able to book jobs and work based off of that aesthetic but when we talk about black women being bald headed, they're talking about black women not being able to grow their hair or their hair being like super, super short. Or like, you know, them having like the little, I call them finger snap ponytails. Like it's literally like an inch of hair in a ponytail. And I think that absolutely has to do with colorism. Because again, when we talk about this, they're not talking about women who are lighter, who have a closer proximity to whiteness. So texturism, let's talk about texturism now. So there's this whole grade of hair um, you know, you have your 2A, 2B, 3A, 3C, 4, 4A, 4B, 4C. The 4s are considered to be like the kinkiest types of hair, with 4C hair being like the absolute kinkiest type of hair, which is the kind of hair that I have. 
Um, I want to say this because I think it's really important to talk about. Um, texturism is a scale that matches the skin tone scale within the black community. Now, mind you, I have seen lighter women who have very kinky hair. This whole thing with like Doja Cat and her saying she hates her hair. Doja Cat apparently says that she has 4C hair. And she has, you know, gone on in great length and was criticized for talking about this and saying how hard her hair is to manage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have felt those sentiments before, especially when I was loosely natural, only when I was loosely natural. Because now that I have locks, like, like I said, I, I guess I have now entered into this realm where I have hair that is, you know, enviable or some shit, which is like fucking weird to me because I've spent my entire life like feeling like people hated my hair and feeling like my hair you know wasn't good enough for society or whatever the case may be um but it definitely that that scale of texture hair it definitely matches the scale of like skin tone discrimination so like if you're lighter you're expected to have looser curlier hair if you're darker you're expected to have looser curl like if you're lighter you're expected to have looser curlier longer hair if you're darker you're expected to have hair that is kinkier shorter and let's just face it like let's be for real like it's expected that your hair is just super fucking hard to manage like these are the facts like this is like i'm not you know we're not making this shit up these are the experiences that black women have to deal with like on a daily basis and when they go and buy products and like you know all these products probably aren't going to be the best for your hair because they're made for girls who have curly hair and then um just to kind of touch again on that on that natural hair movement um when we talk about colors and we talk about privilege who do you see when you look at when you go on youtube and you have these lighter you you have out there all these like natural hair tutorials you see girls who have like with the and let's be let's let's add another dimension to this when you go on to youtube or you go on to social media and you're looking up natural hair influencers and you're looking up natural hair instagrams or natural hair youtube channels um i feel like a lot of the time the ones that you're going to see and i recently came across one where i was like yes there was a four it's a 4c hair instagram and it has like a couple hundred thousand followers because there are so many girls out there that have 4c hair that do not know how to fuck to take care of their hair because those resources are not available to them when you go onto youtube and you go onto instagram and you look for these natural hair influencers they are almost always lighter skinned women with looser, curlier textured hair. And they have these huge followings and this huge platform because their skin and their privilege, their light skin privilege has afforded them that. Not saying that they don't work for what they have. Not saying that they have not put in the work to get where they are. That's not what I'm saying. I'll never take that away from a woman of color or a black woman, right? But what I will say is we live in a world that is steeped into white supremacy. These women are privileged more than other women. That's just the facts. And the reason they are is because of their skin, because of their hair. The reason they have the followings that they have is because people want to look like them. They want to have lighter skin. They want to have looser, curlier textured hair. And I mean, not saying that this is the case for everyone. Like, I'm not saying like if, 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 I'm not saying this is like a lack of like not loving your blackness or, you know, a lack of having a lack of black pride or whatever the case may be. But I do think that um, when we talk about the platform that people have to speak, and I talked a lot about this in my last podcast about black people, colorism and black elitism, the platform that a lot of black people are given 
and who we see at the forefront of our movements and the forefront of our stages who are speaking for all black people are lighter. They are lighter. And I think we have to ask ourselves and critically address when we talk about these things, when we talk about who has the mic and who has, you know, the stage, why do they fucking look all the same? Where are the women that look like me? Where are the women who are dark? Where are the women who have kinky ass hair, who are taking care of their shit, their shit's healthy, they can, they can pass on this knowledge to other women just like them? They are out there. They absolutely are. But their platforms are not as big as um, some of these lighter women with looser, curlier, textured hair. This is the truth. And so I think when we talk about this, we really have to ask ourselves, like, and like, we talked about this a couple years ago when I had my black hair, I think it was like the second or third podcast I did. And I, I invited um, three different people to come on there. Um, Lauren McMillan, Jazz, DJ, Natural High, and my friend Janae. And I think, was there, was there was some, one other person? I don't know, but... Um, my friend Felucio, the one I was talking about, one of my, my really good friends from whenever I was doing my maths at UNT, she's also a PhD student at TWU now, she um she was talking about an article and she was like, it's like, you know, the hijacking of the natural hair movement. The natural hair movement was created for black women to embrace their natural hair, but specifically for like women who have like 4C hair, like, hey, like you don't have to fucking perm your hair. Your hair ain't got to be straight. And when we say the hijacking, we're not saying that, you know, lighter skin women with loose curly or texture hair don't deserve to like feel pride in their hair and don't deserve to be a part of the natural hair movement. But we are saying if the same oppressions are being reproduced in the natural hair movement that existed before, as far as like dark skin women being pushed to the side, 4C women being pushed to the side, essentially and virtually silenced in many ways, are we really accomplishing anything if the movement is only propping up and holding up a certain type of aesthetic? This light skin, curly hair aesthetic, loosely curled hair aesthetic. Um, we always talk about, and this was one of like the most important things that, like one of my professors said to me, um, she was like, oppressions reproduce themselves. So oppressions will essentially reproduce some of the same systems and then, you know, I mean, like Audre Lorde said, can you really dismantle the master's house with his tools? And I think that that's something we really have to critically think about when we make movements, especially like natural hair movement. Like, is it propping up colorism? I think the answer is yes, in a lot of ways. Is it propping up texturism? Fucking absolutely. Like, that definitely is happening. Um, and if we're going to continue to push for natural hair and push for black women to really love their hair, we have to critically address the people who are at the forefront of this movement. Why is it that this woman has this level of access or this level of like, you know, following, not saying that she's undeserving of these things, but why is it that she has more of a following than this darker than this woman who's doing the same amount of work, this darker skinned woman with like super kinky hair and ask ourselves, what are our audiences hoping to gain? And like there's more recently, I thought there have been a lot of consciously responsible pieces that have come out in the past couple of years that are like, you know, like, look, like, can't everybody have them sleek-ass baby hairs, bro? Like, you you gelling your edges down and shit, drying them out. That's why you don't have edges, because you're trying to force them to do something they're not going to do. Like, I am absolutely a proponent of, like, look, my, my edges don't lay down. Like, I don't. I have, nap I have like, beautifully kinky, nappy-ass hair. Happy to be nappy. It is what it is. Like, even with my locks, like, my edges are, like, 
they're not this like pretty ass thing that's just gonna like lay down and like look a certain way. Like, no, like no, my hair does not naturally do that. And if we're going to be natural, like you can do your hair and like manipulate your hair and make it look pretty, but also like you need to do that responsibly. Like, are you forcing your hair to do something that it's not gonna do? Like, you know, they have all these different stretching techniques and you can absolutely stretch your hair to get certain hairstyles. But like, are you stressing your hair? Are you stretching your hair? Or are you stressing your hair? Are you trying to force your hair to look a certain way that it's not naturally going to look like? And are you producing unneeded stress in your hair that's ultimately going to make it unhealthy? Or are you just, you know, trying to have fun? And I think when we talk about our hair, we talk about anything. Like we have to be able to critique ourselves in a healthy and responsible way to make sure that we are not perpetuating systems of inequality, perpetuating systems that essentially shit on our blackness and are essentially forcing us to look and be a certain way that we're just not you know what i'm saying so one last thing i want to talk about um you know my daughter has the same type of hair that her mama has she does she has a beautiful head of 4c hair and so like i am committed to genuinely learning how to care for her hair teaching her how to have pride in her hair, teaching her how to take care of her hair herself when the time comes, teaching her how to just maintain its health and to just look at herself and always see beautiful. So one of the affirmations that she and I do, like, we're beautiful. We shake our heads and shake our hair. And she does it. Like, she loves this. Me, my mom, and her, we do this all the time. And um, I I look at her and literally I feel like I have a renewed, I really feel like I never actually learned how to take care of my loosely 4C hair. That's why I locked it up. It's like me taking care of locks. I personally feel, and this 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 has some very, some very complex implications too. I personally feel like taking care of my locks is much easier for me than it was taking care of my loosely 4C hair. And that's because I never really knew how to do it. So now that I have a daughter who has loosely 4C hair, unless she tells me like when she gets to the age where she's like, I want to actually lock my hair, mom. Her hair is going to stay the way that it is until she comes to me and says she like and she's old enough to make that decision to say she wants to do something else with it. So I'm super committed to learning like, you know, how to take care of 4C hair. What do I need to do? What is a regimen that I can get into? And uh, aside from like my friend Fo and some of the resources she sent me, if you have these resources, send them my way because I really feel like 4C girls... Like our resources, we need to collectively come together and increase our community because we need to know how to take care of our hair and need to know how to do that in a way that is, you know, that's fun for us. And that makes us feel pride and makes us feel, you know, happy and safe and and loved and beautiful, you know. But that is it for today. I'm keeping these podcasts short, especially since I'll be doing two a month now. So you can expect me to come back. Probably going to release another one on the 15th. What What is today? The 5th? I'll be releasing another podcast on the 15th. So if you're not following me, follow me on Instagram at The Slayless Show. My website is now live. So you don't have to go to SoundCloud to listen to my uh, stuff. You don't have to go to iTunes if you don't want to anymore. You can go straight to my website and play my shit because I have a website now. Shout out to Torin. Um, But also, like, I will be releasing a new podcast on the 15th. And I'll see you guys again towards New Year's, New Year's Eve. So... Take care of yourselves, you know, leave me a review on my Facebook page, leave me a review on iTunes, follow me on SoundCloud, again, it's The Slay Less Show, same thing on Facebook. If you follow me on Twitter, I really hope you don't, because my Twitter is a fucking wasteland, but I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast, and I'll see you guys again in 10 days.